2: Oh yeah, we're ready for some basketball today. ECU basketball, that is. We are here with a special 90-minute edition of the Patrick Johnson Show, leading you right up to network coverage of ECU and Tulane. I am Philip Pilkington, joined by Ben Byram. ECU will open up league play tonight against Tulane. The Pirates are 9-3 overall. Tulane five and six overall, but two and oh in the conference, as they have already beaten a very tough Memphis team at home and gone on the road to Cincinnati and grabbed a dub there as well. So they are two and oh setting on top of the conference with SMU currently. ECU looking to put that first notch in the win column in AAC play. Ben and I will be here to take you right up to that network coverage at six thirty. How's it going, Ben?
3: Going pretty well. Who knew coming off a two and a half week uh, layoff and opening conference play, this would be such a big game for ECU, uh, especially against Tulane, who, who would have thought even early this early in the season, they would be the number one team in the conference and have wins over Memphis. And I'm not too high on Cincinnati, but Cincinnati is still a tough team. Who would have thought they would have got a win over them? So shout outs to them, but it's it, who knew this would be just such a tough game for ECU? But I still got my uh, Pirates in this one.
2: Well, you know, it's interesting what you bring up about Cincinnati. Yeah, I don't think they're phenomenal, but you still go on the road there and win, and they won it in pretty convincing fashion. They were down like 5-0 early and went on like a 13-0 run and never really looked back uh, since he was chasing the whole game. I think they ended up beating them by eight points. I don't have it right in front of me. But uh, the bottom line is they didn't just beat Cincinnati, but they beat them pretty convincingly. And it's easy to get a big head after you beat a team like Memphis, especially in the dramatic fashion that they did. And uh, they stayed calm, cool, and collective, and went up to Cincinnati and, and grabbed a pretty convincing win.
3: Yeah, and uh, the big thing about Tulane is um, what's kind of surprising is they're a smaller lineup. That's not necessarily what Memphis has. They have very big athletic players, and the fact they were able to counteract that with their shooting ability and beat Memphis, who's a team that if there's any team you're going to pick in the conference besides Houston to go to the tournament, that's the team right there. That's ESPN or any ESPN analyst's favorite AAC team. And uh, the fact that Tulane, out of all teams, like I was even saying to Patrick, I mean, the Pirates are picked in the preseason to finish last in the conference. I was like, you really think we're going to be worse than Tulane? I mean, that's the kind of expectations I had for Tulane. So the fact they beat them, it shows how tough this team is. And uh, that was off of a COVID layoff. They were down a few players. So that just kind of shows you the, the toughness of this team and the fact that they can overcome adversity now I like that.
2: And you mentioned a COVID layoff. That's what the Pirates have been on. They should have already played two league games already. They have not played since December 21st. So This team really has not been together a whole heck of a lot since then as the players went home for the Christmas holiday, came back, had a couple practices. The team got COVID, two games canceled, and have barely practiced back since their layoff.
3: Yeah, I'm um, kind of reading the articles ECU Athletics website put out. They said they kind of did a light little walk through the past through past two days, and that was about it, no intense hard practice. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, what this Pirate team looks like coming in tonight against the best team in the AAC right now. And uh, it goes to show, is there going to be some kind of conditioning issues or is that letting us know maybe there's going to be some people that are going to be out for this game? Is there going to be a different-looking lineup because of COVID? Uh, there's a lot of reading in between the lines when you hear stuff like that in those type of articles and that well, type of uh and those type of deals in the pre or the pregame.
2: Well, my first worry would be rust. I watched the Duke Georgia Tech game last night. Duke coming off a similar COVID layoff to the Pirates and they uh they definitely struggled shooting the basketball, a couple sloppy turnovers overall. They played average, I would well, say.
3: I'm not saying Georgia Techs any kind of world beaters. But they're a team that you not want to you do not want to play coming off a of the layoff. They're a tough team.
2: No, you don't. Josh Pastner, I'm sure had his boys up and ready as he always does. You know they didn't win the ACC championship or the ACC tournament last year for nothing. But anyways, the point is Duke looked a little rusty. They they got the win, so I'm worried about the Pirates looking rusty. But the big thing you brought in there was conditioning. Unlike Duke last night, they were they at least had everybody back and they were able to sub guys in and all that there's some rumors that this pirate team is not going to be fully healthy, that they may only have eight, nine guys. And uh, so they're not going to be able to go as deep. They're not going to be able to give guys as many blows. And when you're these basketball players, man, you are not used to having two, three, four days off. And some of them have even had more. And yeah, it's one thing to not be able to shoot. But it's another thing, not being able to run. I mean, I remember when I was a high school athlete, when we would have like a a week off over the summer, when we would come back, who it was ugly when we came back as to how poor our conditioning was. And that's the big worry for the Pirates tonight.
3: Yeah, I mean, that was a worry even before the layoff. There were certain bigs like Frank and Brandon Johnson where Joe Doolittle would bring it up and he'd say, yeah, I want to give them more minutes. They've shown flashes. The problem is, though, is that I don't think their conditioning is on par with where we need to be. If you want to be a starting big in this league, they're still kind of getting there. And then you're talking – a two-and-a-half-week layoff here, that's got to be a huge concern, especially against a Tulane team who I believe leads the conference in points per game. If not, they're up there, and uh, they could shoot the lights out. I mean, they're going to be scoring pretty quickly, and you're going to find yourself on on your back, on your heels pretty quickly. So, yeah, that that's definitely a huge concern, especially against a smaller ball type of lineup.
2: Yeah, and the great thing is the Pirates have proved they can go small ball, and I do trust those guards to be conditioned. You know, there's been sometimes, I remember the first couple of games, they'd bring R.J. Felton in a lot in the second half, and he would almost be a three. And really, he is a true backcourt guy, and, you know, they would just kind of go with, uh, like, Frank as the center and go with a small ball lineup there. But um, we don't know which one of those starting perimeter players and. and second-string perimeter players that, you know, normally see a solid amount of minutes a game will even be available. What you do hope is the guys who uh, were not in quarantine, even though they couldn't be at practice, you hope they were at least out running. Maybe they went to one of our local high school football fields and, you know, ran some suicides on the football field or something. You hope they got together and at least did that. Uh, unfortunately, with uh, – how we've handled this virus as opposed to any other virus and being sick. I guess the guys who were sick were not allowed to leave their house because, you know, God forbid they would have breathed on somebody. But um, you hope that some guys at least will be somewhat conditioned and those guys may have to be playing 35-plus minutes tonight.
3: Absolutely, and I think that's kind of the huge advantage of this version of Pirate Basketball this year. When you think of previous iterations in the past couple of seasons, I mean, our bigs were all seven-footers, not – not typically very athletic seven-footers, foot if that. So when it came to playing small ball-type teams and trying to match that small ball-type of lineup, it was very tough. We didn't have a lot of bigs that could really play or adjust to that. And then you look at the small forward or the forward position with uh, Jaden Garner. Jaden Garner doesn't play very well on defense. I think Vance Jackson has been a huge step up at that position just defensively. I'm not saying Vance Jackson is the best defensive player in the world, but I think he definitely has a bigger impact at that area or that side of the floor than Jaden Garner ever had. So that's a good point when you brought up the smaller ball lineup and how ECU's been a lot better being able to match teams who could play that way or being able to kind of adapt and play that way because in previous seasons or the last few seasons, the last two, last couple uh, iterations of this team, they couldn't do that.
2: No, they definitely couldn't. So we will see how well they do that tonight. And to uh, help us think about or talk about that, we will have TJ Long joining us. On the uh, after our first time out, which is coming up here in about 8 to 10 minutes. So he's a former ECU basketball player. He's calls in a lot to our show, especially on game days, so really helps us out, so we appreciate him. And he will be talking to us, and we'll be able to give us a little more insight on what that's like. I mean, obviously, Ben and I can only do give you so much insight as when neither one of us were ever college athletes. So we uh, don't know exactly what it's like to be left off. And, uh, you know, Coach Dooley brought up kind of the whole um, – I have beef. you know,
3: I was a flag football athlete at Pitt Community College. Yeah, okay.
2: <laughs> you know, I I, I riffed, uh intramural football here and then would play a game right after my shift. See, we have the proper so credentials
3: is what, what, what we're finding out now.
2: Yeah, I don't know about that. But um, where was I going with this before I was rudely interrupted by Ben? I don't even remember now. Oh, uh, so know. Coach Dooley talked um, earlier in the week, and uh, I think we heard this yesterday just about how when you do have guys come back, you can't go zero to 100. Even if it's guys that necessarily didn't have COVID or were not in contact tracing, if a guy wasn't working out, you know, he said you can't just have a guy go out there and do 20 suicides because then he's going to have soft tissue injuries and get hurt. He he mentioned Kevin Durant yesterday, or a couple days ago, we played the cut yesterday, where, you know, he was like, you know, if, Some of these guys are out for, they may only have the virus and be out protocol wise for so long, but you don't see them in the game for an extra four or five days because you can't just rush them back because they're multi million dollar guys, multi million dollar investments, and you can't just get them hurt. Well, even though we're not paying these pirates multi million dollar contracts. Bottom line is you still can't rush these guys back and rush their conditioning back. Conditioning is something you have to build up. It's the same as, you know, lifting weights or something. You can't just go out there and uh, be like, Mo, I want to be strong enough to, uh, you know, rep out 300 on the bar, so let me just go out there and put 300 on and start, uh, start bench pressing. You know, it doesn't work that way. You've got to work up to it, and conditioning is no different. So um, it's going to be interesting to see, and, you know, Coach Dooley at least is aware of that, so I don't think he's worn the boys out over the last couple days. But um, – you know he can't control the speed of the game our team can can try can try to control it as best they can but uh, they only have the ball 50% of the time roughly because there's another team out there that gets to decide how fast this game goes and that other team despite their covid layoff they've been back for a couple weeks now
3: yeah absolutely and uh, you talked about the layoff there and the conditioning Um, It's kind of hard for these guys to go out on their own. You say, well, if they're committed D1 athletes and they want to win, why are they not going out on their own during this COVID layoff and working out and trying to simulate the play of the game? Well, how exactly are you going to do that? There's not a lot of D1 athletes that play D1 basketball just sitting out there that you can go and simulate game style with, especially when your D1 team is dealing with COVID issues. So that's a great point you brought up there. You can't just bring them back and wear them out two days before the game starts. So. I would expect to see a little bit of rust when it comes to this team, uh, especially when Tulane's really been kind of hitting their stride and really been filling themselves after beating some teams that are kind of the ep- upper echelon uh, teams in the conference and the upper echelon programs in the conference for the past few seasons. So, yeah, that, I mean that's that's a huge factor coming into this game.
2: And you bring up the Tulane team. I think the reason they've won this game, those couple games, because they're a very mature team. Not saying that all their guys have been around for a long time, but they do have a couple SEC transfers in Jalen Cook and Jalen Forbes. One of those guys, uh, I believe Cook was at LSU, right? And Forbes was at Bama. Is that correct? Before, So, um, you know, these guys have seen what it's like to be in a big-time winning program. You know, like I said, uh, well, Forbes was not at Bama last year. I was about to say, Forbes at Bama last year, they made a run in the tournament, but he actually was at Tulane last year, third team, all AAC a year ago. But uh, these guys – they take smart shots. You, you, you were talking to me about this before the show, and I'll let you you know, hit on it here. They don't jack a lot of threes, but they sure do make a lot of threes. And it seems like they're a very mature team, and uh, that's part of the reason I think they've came back from their layoff and played so well and beat two teams that, you know, arguably they, they weren't supposed to beat.
3: Yeah, I mean, they lead the conference in a three-point field goal percentage with 37.5%. Uh, percent. And uh, you look at it a lot. A large part of that has to do with uh, Jalen Cook here. Jalen Cook, he in his last two games in those wins, he was seven of eleven from three, and that doesn't stand out to me as a guy that jacks a lot of threes. It seems like he's been picking his shots a lot in those games, making smart shots, setting up the smart basketball play, and, and just you know trying to set up good looks. And uh, that's that, that that takes extreme discipline, especially for a player in Jalen Cook. Who's still a freshman? He's still technically a freshman. I get he went to LSU and he's a transfer from LSU. Guy's still technically a freshman, hasn't a lot of had a lot of playing time when it comes to D one basketball or at LSU. So I mean, that's huge for them. That's you that is something that could really get them over the hump in terms of now finishing bottom of the barrel in the AAC every year to now you're kind of making some waves a little bit, giving some teams for their run their a run for their money like we've seen so far. And the fact that we're coming in off of this COVID layoff, we may have conditioning issues, we may be w- without a few starters, the lineup may, may look a little bit different, and we're playing this discipline of a shooting team who has beaten some real caliber opponents so far. Uh that that that's a huge concern. And uh the discipline and the experience there really, really concerns me.
2: Yeah, and you wonder how much of that is coaching. You know, Ron Hunter's a guy, he's uh he's been coaching for for a while, been to a few different programs, but also, you know, he he was a solid college player at at, uh, Miami of Ohio. They made some tournament runs and won some conference championships while he was there. So uh, I'm sure he is definitely talking with these boys and he's talking more, even so he even coaches them. I feel like more on the mental game than the physical game. It's something he actually brought up when speaking with Patrick this week. He talked about their time when they had to live in Birmingham for 23 days due to the uh, hurricane, don't remember the name of the hurricane that they had. But um, when he was there, he wishes that he would have focused even more so on the mental side of the game, the teaching of the game, the classroom work than he did the physical side of the game. And I think that is what has helped these young players mature as well as they have and gel together because a lot like ECU – Tulane has kind of recruited the portal. So a lot of these guys, he hasn't brought in as freshmen and brought in together. These guys have been at other programs, played under other college coaches, and came in and really gelled really well together. And uh, big props to Coach Hunter.
3: Yeah, absolutely. A guy that uh, definitely has a lot of experience when it comes to D1 basketball. A guy who um, it seems like this is finally the year we're starting to see kind of – it's still early. It's still early, but this seems to be the year where they can – finally kind of turn things around and if there's any year to do it this would definitely be the year of COVID issues amongst other teams and within the conference so uh, good to see that there he's a great guy he's a guy that just seen in previous seasons even though they weren't winning you could see extreme discipline in those teams and they gave not only ECU but other teams in the conference in previous seasons when he was head coached uh, a tough out, tough fight, even though they weren't the best team in the conference. So really good to see that. And the discipline thing is huge. Um, I don't know what necessarily how you kind of instill that mentality in, in, in a team, especially with a lot of young guys. Maybe they look at it as, hey, if you're just constantly jacking up shots, you're kind of wasting your energy there. You're wasting your energy on no points. So why not let's let's set up the smart shot, and everybody will get theirs, everybody will get their points, and then we will start winning games and you'll be conserving a lot of energy. You could take it to the next level. And I don't know if that's their mentality or not, but it makes a whole lot of sense to me, and that's just a product of a good coaching. and you're going to face good coaching in the American, and he's definitely one of them.
2: No, he definitely is. And what worries me about today, when a coach coaches like that, it seems like teams not don't tend to have a lot of scoring droughts.
3: And yeah, absolutely.
2: On top of this ECU team being out of shape probably a little bit, a little rusty, Sick. Um, they've been known to have scoring droughts this year, and they, I'm not pointing fingers at Coach Dooley by any means. You know he he's aware and he's he's talked about the different ways to address it. But that's what worries me today. Is like if you start out rusty, and then against a team like a Ron Hunter coach team, if you go on a few scoring droughts, and they're really going to take advantage of that. Yeah, they might run a slower offense that doesn't. You know, they might not go on a ten to two run in a matter of a minute, but. If your, your drought can be extended even longer than normal, a four-minute scoring drought, I guess a normal team could turn into a six- or seven-minute scoring drought, I guess a Ron Hunter coach team because they are so patient with the basketball and so mature in their shot
3: selection. Well, I think the big thing, if you are going to go on a scoring drought, uh, this ECU team has to understand that we can't freak out. Um, we can't overthink it. Uh, we got to set up smart shots. I think a lot of times we've seen it time and time again when we've been down let's say 10 points, 8 points, whatever the case may be, guys tend to kind of freak out or they don't really know quite what to do. They kind of try to put the game in their own hands and jack up shots or miss shots or don't necessarily make the smart basketball play. And uh, they just don't really have great awareness. And I think that's something that comes with time and experience. I think the big thing a lot of people have to understand with their team is there's a lot of new, new parts, a lot of new pieces, and there's a lot of differing styles. Like I – Still don't – if you were to ask me how to describe this ECU basketball team or their playing style, I honestly could not tell you because there's just so many different players, so different moving pieces and so many – there's such contrast in these lineups, I just couldn't tell you. And I think that's a huge product in part why we're having so many of these scoring droughts. And we guys are struggling a little bit to get out of those droughts when it comes to this ECU basketball team.
2: They are, and – uh Looks like TJ Long is probably waiting on us as it is 518. We told him we'd give him a call around 520. So we are going to jump to break here. One more quick point, though. Uh, hopefully the best way tonight to get out of said scoring droughts will be working the ball inside. Tulane is a pretty small team, and I know that was a question that you have already uh, written up for Mr. Long on the other side of this timeout.
0: 943thegame.com to listen to our top-rated programs throughout the day you need to tell your smart speaker to stream 943 the game to take us anywhere you are at any time
4: attention duck hunters. Greenville Marine Outdoor Shop just outside of Greenville is the premier shop for all your duck hunting supplies and is Eastern North Carolina's newest Benelli, Stoger and Franchi shotgun dealer. Greenville Marine Outdoor Shop carries the most sought after duck loads such as Kent Fast Steel 2.0, Heavy Steel and Heavy Metal, Federal Black Cloud, Remington Nitro Steel and Hypersonic, Winchester Blindside and Royal Blue Steel and Chokes by Patternmaster and Carlson. They also carry green headgear decoys by avery mojo motorized decoys decoy weights and cord avery blinds and real grass greenville marine has a great selection on banded waders clothing and much more everything you need for a successful duck hunt is all under one roof so why go anywhere else head to greenville marine outdoor shop just outside of greenville on marine drive beside greenville marine greenville marine outdoor shop is open monday through friday 8 30 to 5 30 and saturday 8 30 to 12 30
5: threatens everything in its path. When it threatens our nation and our communities, we respond. We bring the fight to the front line. The Army National Guard stands ready to face the dangers of Mother Nature and protect our homes and our neighbors. We will always be there when your community needs us the most. Discover more about all the ways you can serve part-time in your community by visiting nationalguard.com. Sponsored by the North Carolina Army National Guard. Aired by the North Carolina Association of Broadcasters and this station.
0: My husband, Alex Hesse, was hit by an IED in Afghanistan.
6: I was playing man on foot patrol, and I stopped on the bomb.
7: Lost in the legs and the left hand in an explosion.
0: And he suffered a severe traumatic brain injury.
7: As America's veterans face challenges, DAV is there.
0: There are so many mountains to climb, and we do it together.
7: With the right support, more veterans can reach victories great and small.
0: Seeing Alex learning how to snow ski, that's life changing.
7: DAV provides a lifetime of support to veterans of every generation, helping more than a million veterans each year.
0: Alex did it. He skied down this mountain. That's something he won't forget.
7: With the right support, there are no limits.
0: To see him on that slope and smiling like that, we'll be taking this home.
7: This has meant so much. Thank you, DAV. Alex Hussey, thank you for your service. Support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org.
8: What's happening?
0: I'll tell you what's happening. Log on to our new website, 943thegame.com, for pj Shot Podcasts and the latest news on the Pirates. This is happening. Now, back to Patrick Johnson on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 943 The Game.
2: Are you hitting us with a little Ice Ice Baby, or is this under pressure? It's always tough to tell.
3: Uh, I definitely would not hit anybody with Ice Ice Baby. This is definitely under pressure.
2: A little queen. I like it. Have you seen the movie Bohemian Rhapsody? It's a good movie.
3: I have not. I have not. I I don't know. It just didn't really appeal to me. It didn't appeal to me either. My mom made me watch it. It was actually a really good movie. Really? I'll have to check it
2: out. All right, we're having a little technical difficulty, so we will try and get T.J. Long on in the next segment if possible. So we're just going to go ahead and skip ahead to our Pirate Report. Today's Pirate Report is brought to you by Bill Clark Holmes, who just made a huge contribution to the Pirate Nation by purchasing the entire upper deck for the South Carolina game to honor first responders in our military. Bill Clark Holmes personifies Pirates supporting Pirates. Also by Seahorse Steakhouse, where you'll always get Daddy's Steaks and Mama's Cakes. So our pirate report today. We're going to get into it, and uh, obviously it'll be strictly ECU basketball. Um, Playing Tulane tonight. They're five and six, two and zero in league play. And uh, Coach Dooley talked about Tulane's last game uh, against the Bearcats of Cincinnati.
9: No, they were unbelievable, and it would have been even more than that. There was an illegal screen called on Cross when 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 were up about twenty six, and he had made two or three. He and Forbes had made two or three in a row, and I mean deep, hard shots and he comes down in, in the transition and Cross tries the drag screen, and they call an illegal screen on Cross, and he before the screen had ever been set, he had raised up and shot it and made another three, and, I mean, he was, uh, I guess, as you heard the announcers were saying, he, he was cooking, and and he really was. He was making tough tough threes, tough twos, uh, very aggressive. Uh, Forbes can make some shots. You know, Zion James was getting downhill. He made some shots, and Cross did a nice job of facilitating and, and making some high-post drives.
2: And, um, yeah, they really did play well. Uh, The two Jalens are always guys they rely on. Those guys are uh, averaging 19 and 15 points respectively on a team that uh, doesn't score a whole heck of a lot, but that's because they play a slow game, and we kind of hit on that earlier. The big guy to look to in the Pirate offense when things are going uh, tough is Tristan Newton. And Coach Dooley uh, talked about him earlier this week.
9: Yeah, he's off to a great start like we've talked about. and. Uh, I do think you know there's some things he can continue to get better at, which is good news. And I think he's you know he's a willing learner. He's a guy that'll keep getting better and um, but he's he's off to a really good start.
2: Yeah, Tristan has done a great job of uh, both facilitating the offense and the defense as well. Um, when the pirates pick up with a full court press or a three quarters court press, he's the guy who kind of anchors that and has really been able to slow the opposing team down. And when t- other teams are going on big runs, he does a really a heck of a job um, of slowing them down, stopping them, as well as, like we said, facilitating our offense, both in his passing and with his scoring. And it looks like we're going to have to cut this pirate report short. We will probably pick it up a little bit later. As well. We think we've got our technical difficulties figured out. It looks like Ben is across the way there. He's got TJ Long on the phone. Ben, are you ready? And Ben is ready. So uh, we now have TJ Long joining us. Uh, how are you doing, TJ?
1: I'm doing great. Hope you guys are doing well.
2: We are. It's a Pirate Game Day, which it seems like it's been a long time since we've said that, so it's always a good day when it's a Pirate Game Day, and we're just uh, glad to be back in action.
1: Yeah, I mean, it seems like, uh, I know it was last year, and you got your normal joke about we haven't played since last year at this point in time, but it does seem like it's been a really long time, and I was listening to you guys earlier. I think you're exactly right on the conditioning. It's going to be it's going to be tough to get the guys to be able to go up and down a little bit. And I, I, I'm with you. I think that's the serious challenge for tonight.
3: Now, TJ, the big thing, obviously you mentioned the COVID, uh, the conditioning. Uh, last time the Pirates played, they got humbled a bit against Liberty, a 10-point ball game. But that was a little bit closer on paper than it actually was watching. And now the Pirates are starting conference play after a couple weeks against a team who's tied for first in the conference and has made some waves early, no pun intended. In Tulane, we don't know who's going to be out for the Pirates due to COVID or what the lineup is going to look like. Obviously, we want to win, but what would you like to see from this ECU squad after a a two-and-a-half-week layoff? And obviously, the conditioning might be a little off and some players might be out.
1: Yeah, I'm going to be watching. You know, we got to be able to make some shots. Uh, Tulane likes to play this matchup zone, and so and they stay in it. They don't play hardly any man-to-man, and so ball movement, sharing the ball, and being able to take shots and and having the the right shot selection is going to be key for us to uh, to win. A lot of times, it looks to me like we pass up good shots, sometimes over-passing, and then end up taking a tougher shot later in the shot clock, and with a team like Tulane that likes to get up and down and run up and down, maybe we can catch them uh, in some of the matchup issues in that zone. And I'm sure Coach Dooley has gotten them to watch some film, even though they haven't been able to do a whole lot on the court. I bet they've watched a lot of of clips of what teams have done against the matchup zone to get good shots, and, and hopefully that'll be able to pay dividends tonight.
3: When you look at Tulane, their tallest player who gets significant minutes is Kevin Cross, and he's six nine. They run a little bit more of a smaller lineup. It's a chance for the bigs, for the Pirates, to maybe get something going and showcase who really stands out among the rest. That's kind of been the big storyline when it comes to the bigs, who's going to really emerge as the starter, or who's going to evolve into the next starter for that kind of 4-5 or five position. And when it comes to the big between Brandon Johnson, the bow and Alonzo Frank and so on, What do you want to see from those guys tonight, and do you think our big should be a point of emphasis, especially against a smaller lineup tonight?
1: I do think in a normal circumstance that they should be a point of emphasis. I really like Alonzo Frank and how he's come along. I think he's the most polished inside player and complete player, and he's had some things, again, happen with him with the – the ankle. I think his foot was in a boot for a couple of weeks. There, like to be able to get him back. But you know, the big unknown. You guys talked about this too earlier. Is who's in and who's out, because you can't go. You can't go big if you don't have your bigs. And I, I don't. I don't know definitively. You know who's in and who's out. But I've heard that we could be down in, in certain positions. Uh, I don't necessarily think it's my role to to exactly put somebody (laughs) we'll wait ECU announce who who they have and who they don't have but I'm hearing it we could have some problems there in that a couple of the position groups are affected so it's not just about having four or five guys out with COVID it could be a couple of position groups where you've got several guys out in the same position so that's going to be some tough navigation for coach Dooley if indeed that is the case.
3: Oh, good point there. We do know one player that's playing, not necessarily for the Pirates, but for Tulane and Jalen Cook. You know, he earned AAC Conference Player of the Week last week. He's a freshman transfer from LSU. He averaged 22.5 in those two wins over Cincinnati and Memphis, hit 7 of 11 of his three-pointers, and he hasn't committed any turnovers in those two games. What's been working so well from him from what you've seen or what you've heard, and how should ECU look to contain a guy like that who's so disciplined when it comes to shooting?
1: Yeah, he's playing really well and he's um I heard some of Coach Hunter's comments about him about how well he's fit in with the team and I think they've gotten a the chance. They've had some hardship too. They were they had the hurricane that you brought up earlier, they were away from the game and they were able to do some a little bit more bonding and do some of those things and the guys accepted him in and I think it's more you know, Jalen Forbes was uh an all conference player last year. And he's showing his leadership by sharing the ball and actually allowing Cook to to take over, kind of the 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 alpha the alpha spot, and that's not easy to do for for college players. And I think they're really sharing the ball. And as you mentioned before, Jalen Cook's shot selection—he's shooting 47% overall, and and he's knocking down shots and he's he's making plays. And we're going to have to limit him for sure. And, and taking that a step further, I think the Pirates play good defense good on the ball defense good team defense where they've got to improve is rebounding and finishing the defensive possession there's been a lot of times where i thought we've played really good defense and they take the shot clock the ball way down on the shot clock and we've played defense great for 30 seconds they get the rebound we play defense great Another 30 seconds, they get the rebound. We really got to limit the extra possessions. And maybe with them, they don't rebound the ball very well. And I think that's the spot where maybe if if we can do anything, if we can get that done, that gives us a a good chance tonight.
3: Speaking of Jalen Cook, the Pirates have been a little bit inconsistent. Not necessarily saying they have bad perimeter defense, but let's just say it's a little bit inconsistent. They may have their hands full tonight. As we previously mentioned, Jalen Cook is a guy – who can knock it down from deep, but when you look at this team as a whole in Tulane, they average thirty eight percent from the three, get enough to lead the conference in three point percentage. How would you expect the pirates to kind of combat this on offense and defense, knowing they may have a slight disadvantage in that area?
1: Yeah, it's one of the cases where do you try to go big like we've mentioned if those players are available and try to make them adjust to you, or do you adjust to them and that's the you know, that's the game within the game and um, I think that with those guards, you know the three guys and uh, Cook, Forbes, and Cross. Those three guys together average fifty of the seventy-two points a game that they average. So those three guys make up a, um, you know, the vast majority of the scoring. So it's going to take a good effort tonight and um, more, as you say, more consistency with with Brandon Suggs and, 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 and Tristan Newton and, and those guys really playing well on the perimeter because Van Cook can play. I, I, was, I was going back looking up some Absolutely. of this stuff. He was, he was player of the year in the state of, um, of Louisiana, and Mr. Basketball scored 30, 31, 32 a game in, in high school and was playing behind a couple of NBA players at, at LSU that Will Wade was bringing in and some of those stellar classes. So, yeah, the Pirates are going to have their handful on the perimeter tonight for sure.
3: Absolutely. Now we're not quite sure if this player is going to be available tonight or not, but this is more so what would you like to see from him moving forward in the season. We're talking about Vance Jackson here. He really started to settle in before the layoff. He was a little bit more consistent and was really hitting his stride. I think he's a great replacement for the void. Jaden Gardner kind of left behind at that position. What's been working so well for Vance Jackson? What would you like to see from him moving forward?
1: Yeah, I really like Vance Jackson. I've had a chance to kind of go in the locker room or go in the practice facility and I see him on the court and I you don't really realize how big he is. He is he is a, he's a nice looking. <laughs> he has I mean he's 6-9 and he's every bit of 6-9, really wide shoulders. So he has a, a great body and I think he could do a little bit more on the inside and we might could use him if we wanted to, to quote go small or play smaller. Have him work on the inside because he's more of a, uh, you know, he, he's a he's a combo. He can he can take you inside and he's been shooting the the three well. So I really like his game. I think he's a key piece for us and and a great, um, a, you know, transfer a guy that we were able to bring in and and he's he's really kept us in some games, made a couple against the Southern Miss game a couple of really important possessions in that game where he did the up and under with the left hand late in that game, hit a big three when we were down eight or nine. And so, yeah, I like to just see him getting the ball and and taking a shot when he gets it.
3: Moving kind of along to the marquee player when it comes to this ECU basketball team and Tristan Newton, I think at times we've shown a little versatility at the point guard position with him. There's been times where he's been more of a facilitator when we've needed him to be, and there's been other times where he's been more of a pure scorer when we when we've really needed a bucket. What's been your impression of the evolution of Tristan Newton at the point guard position this year? And he's still very much a young player. What are some things you would like to see him improve on moving forward?
1: Well yeah, he's a very talented player you know another kid that you when you look at him on the floor, you don't realize how big he is six five can handle the ball. I would actually like to see him be more aggressive uh one of the e c u um Hall of Famer letter winners was in town over i think it was the Southern miss game a couple, well <laughs> a year ago when we last played, and um uh, we were there at the game talking and and Lester Lyons was who I'm referring to, and Lester had a real killer instinct. I mean, when, when we needed a bucket, Lester's who we went to. There was no doubt it was very clear cut. And Lester wanted the ball and wanted to, wanted to take that shot. And I think with Tristan, sometimes when we do go into some of those droughts that you've mentioned before and you've talked about, we've been a little bit inconsistent. To me, that's a great time for him to look to penetrate and look to score. And so even though he's averaging, leading the team in scoring, I think sometimes he can be even a little bit more aggressive and look to shoot the ball a little bit more. It wouldn't bother me a whole lot.
3: Yeah, I think it's just something that comes with time and experience, and you'll start really start to see some veteran leadership from him uh, at that point guard position. That's something you desperately need when it comes to point guard. You need a guy that's going to be a leader, and uh, Tristan Newton is definitely. He seems like he's trending towards that direction. One more question.
1: It, it does say, and some real quick, a lot a yeah. lot of guys can grow into that, but sometimes that's a mentality. You know, a lot of things that, that, that players do, it's not about who can shoot. I might can shoot a lot better than this other guy over here, but this other guy has this mentality that he's the scorer, that he's the one that needs to get the bucket. And, you know, there's, there's a personality match to your skill set, and that's what you have to try to develop in to where you get your personality type to develop a skill set to develop that to where you can be the best player that you can be.
3: Yeah, one more thing. Uh, pretty simple question. What's your pick tonight? What's your score prediction? Who you got?
1: Let's go uh, Pirates, get back into it, pull it together. Coach Dooley does a great job, as I, as I know he will. And let's say the Pirates win...
3: 81 to 75. I love it. I love it. Love the prediction. Thanks so much, TJ. Hey,
1: guys. Thanks for having me.
3: All right. You have a good one.
1: All right. You too.
2: Bye. All right. Thanks once again to TJ Long for joining us, and we apologize to him and all of our listeners for a little technical difficulties there, but we got him in, and we're actually going to finish that pirate report that we got started on the other side of this break.
0: North Carolina's home for the Adam Gold Show. Come on in. Weekdays at noon, right here on Eastern Carolina's home for sports. I love sports. And the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, ninety-four-three. The Game.
8: We know that juicy, cheesy, grilled-to-perfection burger sounds amazing, but it does sound like something is missing. Pepsi, baby. The yin to this burger's yang. Burgers and Pepsi go together like like burgers and pepsi this perfect blending of flavors makes every bite of lettuce every sesame seed on the bun and every sip of that crisp refreshing ice cold cola a journey to foodopia burgers better with pepsi that's what i like
6: (sighs) is that the sound of an ooey gooey cheesy crunchy slice of (laughs) pizza obviously but as good as that sounds we think it can get even better Oh, yeah, that's the sound of a freshly-opened, fizz-filled Pepsi. The only thing that can take this flavor medley of crunchy dough, mouthwatering cheese, and savory sauce to the next level. How about another bite? Pepsi and pizza sound like a match made in heaven and taste even better. Pizza, better with Pepsi. That's what I like.
4: To do something good for the vets Give back to the vets right now For all they've done for this country And your old car can really help them So call the Veterans Car Donation Program Right now For free pickup of your vehicle Help the vets and help your taxes At the same time Call right now 800-540-8816 800-540-8816 540 8816 That's 800-540-8816 800-540-8816 Chico!
7: chico's mexican restaurant is where the fiesta never ends grab your amigos and head to chico's every wednesday for shrimp tacos for only 9.99 plus wednesdays means all mexican imports for only 250 thursdays enjoy your favorite beef chicken or vegetable fajitas for only 9.99 for mexican food and fun it's got to be chico's in downtown greenville and now available through doordash featuring a half gallon of the famous margarita mix to go for only 9.99 chico's where the fiesta never ends
3: just
0: follow me We're doing it for the gram. Check out picks from the PJ Show and more. Plus picks from around Pirate Nation. 94.3 The Game, now on Instagram.
2: <laughs> Welcome back to the special 90-minute edition of the Patrick Johnson Show. We thank you for being here with us. We are taking you right up to network coverage of ECU and Tulane as the Pirates look to get their AAC season underway. The Pirates so far are 9-3 on the year. This will be the first league game scheduled to be their third, but due to COVID, they had to cancel their two, or postpone their two from last week. Earlier, we got the Pirate Report started, and uh, we heard about uh, Dooley's thoughts on Tristan Tristan Newton unfortunately Ben did not get to react to this because he was so nicely fixing our technical issues and getting TJ Long the phone. We thanks TJ Long once again for joining us. So uh Ben we'll just pick up kind of where we left off and uh, your thoughts on uh, Newton's play so far this year.
3: I thought Newton's really matured on the court. I think earlier on there was a few kinks in his game and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact he's still very young and there's a little bit You know, a layoff in the offseason, it's hard to simulate, like, live game action, especially in the American. And uh, I I like what TJ brought up there. My big critique in the first couple of games was the fact that he tried to be that X factor when we were in a scoring drought and he may force a shot he didn't necessarily had to or he may have forced a harder shot or they might have overpassed the ball whatever the case may be. Now in these last few games, I think we start to see where – yeah, when you need a bucket or you need a score, he's the guy to go to and he's almost guaranteed to get you those points and those and those buckets. And uh, he's really evolving into this marquee player for ECU and uh as he's emerging as the clear cut leader by far.
2: No, I agree. And as I mentioned before, for the people who may have not heard, I love what he does on defense, both picking up the ball carrier or the ball handler once they uh cross the midcourt line as well as uh Kind of being the anchor man of our uh, press, but the big guy has been the uh, of the big other scorer, I should say, this year. Both shooting the rock and inside has been Vance Jackson and Dooley. Also talked about him earlier this
9: week. Well, I mean, when you have a new team and new teammates and trying to figure some things out, it takes a little bit of time. You know, some games you could say, what about practice? Practices are different than the game. Uh, I think he's starting to find a little bit of a niche. I think he's starting to feel more comfortable. I think the thing that he's done better the last couple of games is when people have chased him off the line. He's not, he's not tried to do too much. He's made a you know pull up one two dribble shot, which he's terrific at. Every you know you forget how big he is until you're standing next to him. Uh, you don't need to get closer. He's such a good shooter. I'd rather unless he's got a direct line drive to the basket to go ahead and shoot a uh, a, a pull up and. I think the thing that's underestimated about him is also his passing ability. He's a very good passer out of the post, and I think he's starting to feel more comfortable down the block and and finishing some shots around the block also.
2: You know, it's interesting what Coach Dooley said about him adapting to his new teammates is this is a guy who's bounced around most recently at Arkansas. He's also spent time in the AAC at UConn. I believe he played for either New Mexico or New Mexico State in there between those two. So he is new to the team this year. He's a senior as far as, you know, eligibility goes. I think he's been around for a little more than three years. So I think his maturity and the fact of how old that he actually is, let me see if his actual date of birth is on here. I'm not seeing it officially, so I'm not sure exactly how old he is. But he's got to be, you know, at least 22, probably 23, 24 years old, and he has bounced around. He's learned to adapt to different teammates many times, and uh, I think he's doing a phenomenal job of it here in Greenville.
3: Well, he's 24 years old, just to answer your question there. And I think the big Thank thing you. that is <laughs> – yeah, you're welcome. The thing, the big thing that's kind of surprised me when it comes to Vance Jackson is the fact that he's such a great shooter, kind of what Joe Dooley touched on there earlier. He's a guy that can do dribble maybe one or two times and then pull up and then knock down a shot from pretty deep. I mean, we saw it a little bit early on in that Liberty game. Uh, people forget we were kind of – we were kind of in there in that Liberty game at halftime. I believe we were leading, and a large part of that had to do with Vance Jackson, his ability to shoot from not only like not not only from like mid-range, but from the three. I mean, he's been knocking down threes, and it just hasn't been forcing shots. I mean, when he's got an open look, he's a guy you can trust to knock it down. And uh, it goes back to what I said about Tristan Newton and his veteran leadership and experience. Uh, Vance Jackson having all those stops and playing a lot of basketball in a lot of different areas – and a lot of different teams, um, you're starting to see that experience kind of carry over onto the court when it comes to Vance Jackson, and uh, he's he's just as disciplined as they come when it comes to this Pirate basketball team.
2: And remember, Vance is six foot nine and does play a post role and even a center role sometimes when the Pirates go small, which they may have to do today to meet the small lineup of Tulane. Another guy that helps him inside is Alonzo Frank, and here's what Coach Dilly had to talk say about him.
9: He's he's fine. I mean, he's he's really starting to, to get into where we want to get him. Mean, I think he is I think he's proven over the time and our guys would say who's the toughest guy to guard in the post and he is by far. Yeah. Uh, very physical, good skills. Uh as he continues to work into shape. I mean, and, and you know he had a weird deal. He had the foot injury. He was out early shut down and uh, as he's come back, he's the skill level. I mean, he's the type of guy that we could do some things like they're doing with Cross where you could put him into a little bit of a dribble thing and you say, "Well, he's a big kid. He's got really good skills. He's a good passer." Um, and he is a bruise once he gets around the basket, he is not afraid to initiate contact and actually invites it and enjoys it.
2: you love to see that physicality out of a player, and uh playing in the American is uh, a place that he definitely can use that physicality as he is uh, also a transfer as we know Coach Dewey loves to recruit that portal and he came from South Carolina, so you know he's played the uh, the Kentuckys of the world and the Alabamas of the world, so uh, anything that he is going to see here in these next few months is uh, nothing that he has not seen before. As he is six eight two seventy and loves to be physical inside.
3: Absolutely, and I just the, I think the huge thing with him is just conditioning. I mean, there's a reason why even when we were rolling and before the layoff, he wasn't getting a lot of minutes, and a lot of that is just his conditioning. And I think another big thing is consistency. Uh, much like this team, at times he's a guy that will go on a run and then disappear for a little bit or struggle a little bit. I think it's just a matter of him getting a little bit more game action, especially in conference here, and just getting a little bit more acclimated. And I have no doubt in my mind, once he settles in into the lineup, he gets his and on par and on point. I mean, he's the guy that could be a huge factor maybe take over that five position.
2: Yeah, I definitely agree. The only thing is, it kind of sounds like we all sound like broken records right now, talking about the consistency of this ECU basketball team, because we know what they can be, and they have been dominant at times, but uh, putting – a full 40 minutes together even has been a struggle for these Pirates so far. But anyways, um, yes, we will see. It. I got Obviously confused. Tonight. I thought I'm you sorry. wanted to play a cut. No, no, I'm <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. I should have. No, I'm not, I'm not going to play 85 cuts. Sorry.
3: Yeah, My thank bad. you. All right, well, absolutely. Absolutely, no. I completely agree there. I mean, we've seen it time and time again, and even Joe Duly has said it before. I mean, this is a game of runs when it comes to his basketball team, and uh, I'm going to go back to kind of sound like a broken record, like you said, a lot of new pieces. A lot of you basketball is very much a game of chemistry. Getting to know your players, not necessarily off the court, but more so on the court. Getting to know their their ticks. Getting to know their just getting to know every aspect of their game. And once they kind of settle in and get to trust each other and get confidence in each other, I think the runs will start to go away. But having this COVID layoff and uh, having some guys now possibly not being in the lineup tonight definitely does not help.
2: No, it definitely doesn't. And Tulane, they look like they will be full go as far as uh, players go, I think, or I believe. And Ben talked about that chemistry. We're going to talk about that chemistry here coming up for Tulane uh, mostly between Jalen Cook and Jalen Forbes because, you know, TJ talked about uh how Forbes has taken that step back and allowed Cook to score when he now that he's part of this Green Wave roster. Well, these guys played together before. This is not their first stint together, and we will get into that and more on the other side of this timeout.
0: Season. Get the latest on the Carolina Panthers as Jim Zoki from the Panthers Radio Network joins the P-Man. Bring on the
6: good stuff, universe.
0: This and every Monday right here on 94.3 The Game. The flagship
6: station for the ECU Pirates. It's time to travel again. And it's time to enjoy the convenience of flying from Pitt Greenville Airport. Reservations are available now at AA.com. Whether you're flying for business or leisure, Pitt Greenville Airport and American Airlines can get you to Charlotte, and then anywhere on the map. You can't beat the convenience of parking right next to the terminal and the short lines at ticketing and security. For your next trip, check out the great rates offered at AA.com
5: and support your local Pitt Greenville Airport. Skilled trade workers are the backbone of every community and also the Army National Guard. Soldiers trained to keep the power flowing, engines running, and in every other trade needed to accomplish the mission. These soldiers are on the fast track to learning skills that can set them up for success at home with companies looking to hire the best. Their resumes are being built through their paid training and part-time service. Find out how you too can learn a trade profession by visiting NationalGuard.com. Sponsored by the North Carolina Army National Guard. Aired by the North Carolina Association of Broadcasters and this station. Your vehicle packs a load of safety features to protect you in an accident. At North Carolina Farm Bureau Insurance, it's our job to protect you just as well after an accident. With fast claim service from local agents, our auto coverage is a lot like an airbag. We hope you never need to use it, but we're right there and ready just in case you do. North Carolina Farm Bureau
6: Insurance. Helping you is what we do best. North Carolina Farm Bureau Mutual Insurance Company, Farm Bureau Insurance, in North Carolina King Southern Farm Bureau Life Insurance Company, an independent licensing of the Blue Cross Blue Shield Association. In Greenville, contact your local Farm Bureau agent for a quote for your car, home, life or your health. You'll be working with neighbors you can trust. People like Bill King, Jake Allen or Jack Metz. These agents are dedicated to protecting your family and your dreams. These Farm Bureau agents are knowledgeable in a wide range of insurance products, but they are also also tuned in to the Greenville community. Again, contact Bill King, Jake Allen, or Jack Metz today at Farm Bureau Insurance in Greenville. 252-756-3165. That's 252-756-3165.
5: Battles aren't won solely on the field. That's a common misconception. Battles are won within. Over enemies of fear, enemies of doubt. In that place where promises are kept. Promises to oneself. This is a physical event. Promises to one's community.
6: People move out of their house.
5: Promises to one's country. In the heart of every Marine, you'll find a promise, a promise forever kept, a promise of battles won. Tweet at us. Hey. Okay.
0: You want to see our tweets?
5: That's creeping me out. Follow us
0: on Twitter for breaking sports news and what's going on around the pirate nation. We need you guys on
8: Twitter. Twitter, it's nine four three the game on Twitter.
2: You played this this for me, didn't you, Ben? Play a little Motley Crew. I know for you me. love Motley Crew. Yeah. Even though you like to bag on him, it's all good.
3: I ain't got a problem with them. I, know. <laughs>
2: I think they're a great uh, band to intro uh, like like radio bits. I mean, it's 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 upbeat. It's fun. They're uh, fun to intro games. You know, I love the, the football team plays Kickstart My Heart like three times during a game, which is a little too much. But, uh, you
3: know. They're one of the few hair metal bands I can tolerate. They're yeah. not too cheesy for me.
2: That's true. And they can be a little cheesy, but it's all good. Yeah. Uh, Hey, you know, Ben, though, we cannot bag on his choice in music. I was playing, you know, somewhat modern country in my car one time, and he told me that wasn't country, and then I played George Jones, and he's like, yeah, now that's country. So uh, Ben definitely does have very good taste in music. So
3: Let's just say I have a very unique taste. I don't know if everybody would agree with that, but let's just say I'm, I'm very peculiar when it comes to my music. Hey,
2: I think a lot of our uh, listeners would agree with what what with you as to what is and isn't country music. I was listening to some Merle on the way over, and I think uh, Ben would agree with that. So,
3: Deep South, baby.
2: Heck yeah! Well, we are here, leading you up to network coverage of ECU and Tulane. I'm Philip Pilkington. That is Ben Byram. So we are not signing off at our normal time of six o'clock today here on the Patrick Johnson Show. We will be signing off at 6.30 when we hand it over to IMG's coverage. And um, Patrick is not here, unfortunately. He's got to uh, call the basketball game tonight. So if you guys want to hear Patrick tonight, you can tune in to ESPN+. He and Cy Seymour will be on the call for that. Or if you come out tonight to the game, you can uh, see Patrick sitting down there on the court with a much better seat than any of the rest of us will have right there at midcourt uh, courtside. So. This Tulane team... They've already played two league games. They're 2-0, knocked off Memphis, knocked off Cincinnati, and a big part of their success is the two Jalens, Jalen Cook and Jalen Forbes. It's their first year playing together at the collegiate level, but these guys were teammates. I don't know if it was high school or AAU teammates, but they were teammates for a couple of years prior to their collegiate days. So a lot of good chemistry there and uh, it has put the uh, conference on notice. And Coach Dooley talked about those two players earlier this week on his radio show.
9: And he had 25 against us last year. I believe Forbes did. And, you know, they've got three guys with those two in in combination with with Cross, you know, uh, average about 50 of their 72 points combined. So three of those guys are accumulating 50 of the 72 points. I think the thing with Cooks is is really the percentages to get those numbers. His, his, so he's shooting forty seven percent from the floor, shooting forty three percent from the three point line, or low forties from the three point line. Those are efficient numbers. Uh, you know, Cross is as as a six eight player like we talked about is a, is their leading is leading them in assists. They almost play him as a point forward like Draymond Green, uh, where he uh, he initiates offense, he sets it up for other people. Forbes can score in bunches. You know, I, I was reminded watching the Cincinnati game against him on. Saturday, you know that he had thirty-seven at Cincinnati last year and was you know transfer from Alabama.
2: Yeah, those guys have done a great job playing together. As he mentioned, they're both transfers from SEC schools. Jalen Forbes, this is his second year with the uh Green Wave program, third team all AAC a year ago. Jalen Cook, his first time uh here, he played at, at LSU behind two uh great guards there. So he was kind of their sixth man, I believe. But, you know, it says he's a freshman on their roster, but he's a COVID freshman for sure. I believe he appeared in 20 games last year. Don't quote me on that exact number, but I believe I saw the number 20. Uh, So both these guys, very experienced, and as I mentioned earlier, very experienced playing together as they played together in their youth when they were teammates.
3: Absolutely, and you're not going to find a lot of teams in America when they have three scores or three players in double digits, and uh, that's exactly what we have with Tulane. Even Kevin Cross, as he briefly mentioned, uh, we talked about how good this team is shooting from the three. Kevin Cross is a six-eight forward who's shooting a little over 33% from the three, which is you don't see that a lot, especially in the American. And uh, that's definitely going to be a huge factor here tonight, just the fact that they're so great from the three. And it's going to be really hard to kind of defend that and combat that, especially at times when ECU has had their had their issues against teams. And you look at their losses that they've had this year. It's been against teams that have shot really well from the three. so. This is definitely going to be a huge problem and definitely a huge concern, and these players are unbelievable. I mean, they're as good as they come in this conference. I mean, Jalen Cook, there's not a lot of near 20-point scores in college basketball in general, especially when it comes to the upper echelon of the conference, so that guy's the real deal, as well as Jalen Forbes. Like Joe Dully mentioned, he was the guy that he had a huge game against this last year. He's averaging 15, so... These are real deal players. Tulane is not the Tulane of old that we're used to where, yeah, maybe I'm pretty sure we can get a win out of the out of that team. It's not like that anymore. Tulane, it's looking like they're the real deal. And I'm not saying they're a tournament team, but if this was a team in a tournament, it's definitely a team you would not want your favorite team playing because those three point teams can definitely be very pesky.
2: No, they definitely can. It's easy um it's big that you brought up Kevin Cross. Cross, like you said, is averaging just under 14 a game, but he also leads the team in assists and rebounds. Now, they're not a team that has a lot of assists a game. They're only averaging 12.4. Their assist to turnover ratio is about even. They keep the uh, turnovers down with only 11.5 a game. So that's big. But, you know, Kevin Cross would be getting a lot of publicity if it wasn't for these other two. And I'm sure he has the ability to score a lot more than just south of 14 a game. But uh, it's hard when he's playing with these other two guys. He could be easily be their star, and uh, he's not a bad star to have. He's very versatile, like we said. Um, you mentioned he's six eight. You know, he sticks his nose in there, gets a lot of rebounds. But you also don't have many six eight guys leading your team in assists. That's huge. And uh, he's averaging about two turnovers a game, so he has almost a two to one assist to turnover ratio. Which you will take at the collegiate level. There's just not as many assists as you have at the NBA level. So. Uh, Kevin Cross is a guy you definitely have to watch out for, and he is kind of their one guy that will go score inside, but you cannot commit to his inside scoring as much, or totally because of the fact that, uh, you know, as Ben mentioned, he's shooting 33%. That's one of three from beyond the arc, and he is the guy we will have to attack. Defensively, though, is he is their uh, tallest starter, I believe, uh, in that two-lane uh, lineup, and really their second tallest guy in their actual rotation. So he's the guy that will probably be having to guard uh the Vance Jacksons and the Alonzo Frings of the world tonight, you know, barring we those guys play, obviously we're unsure who is and isn't going to play tonight for the Pirates as uh, we do know COVID has struck the team and Coach Dooley pretty much made it clear that not every guy is going to be able to dress. So we'll see how that goes. But you love to see a team that uh, has the versatility that this team does with the two Jalens and with Kevin Cross there.
3: Yeah, and I think that's going to be the key matchup tonight. I mean, if you're – not really looking too far into it, and you're just kind of looking at it on paper, most people would say, okay, Tristan Newton against this guy Jalen Cook here, that's going to be a key matchup. That's going to be fun to watch. I'm thinking more so Kevin Cross and Vance Jackson just because they're so similar. They can play big. They can play small. They're pretty good shooting from mid range. They can shoot from the three. I mean, that's going to be very interesting. I think whoever has the advantage there can very well determine who wins this ball game just because they mean a lot to their team, even though they don't, pop out to you necessarily on the stat sheet, or they may not be the marquee players on their team or the number one player on their team, but they're such a huge part of what makes this team click, and it goes back to what you said before, it's so tough to do this pregame show in general, just because we don't know who's playing tonight, so I'm only saying that in hopes that they both play, but we just don't really know, we've tried to pry away at it, we've talked to some inside sources, we can't get anything from them, so I'm, I'm hoping they play tonight, and I think that definitely determines that definitely determines the, the winner of the ball game, and that's a huge key matchup.
2: Yeah, I'm just hoping at some point we can get uh, somebody to get to the arena and text us, so-and-so is dressed or so-and-so is not here, because luckily we do have uh, many friends that are season ticket holders that go to these games, and unfortunately, I don't remember if you were hosting with me, Ben, that week. I think you were out that week. Um, I luckily as the show was wrapping up, I got a text. I believe it was when Alonzo Frank was in a boot or somebody was in a boot. And like, I had like two minutes left in the show. And it was like, yeah, uh, I'm at the pregame sh- or I'm at the game. So-and-so is in a boot. And it was like, oh, wow, that's really helpful. Now I can tell people. So hopefully some of my friends, and if you're listening out there, you know who you are, please get to the game and tell us who is warming up and who isn't. Because I don't think you're, uh, breaking any unnecessary news. If, uh, you can strictly just say. Uh, hey, you're
3: calling what you see, that's all. Yeah,
2: there's calling what we see, and we will say that we are just hearing from people at the uh, at the arena, so don't take us totally credible if we do start to say, well, this guy's not warming up. All we're doing is. We're not even saying it's
3: COVID. We're
2: just saying, yeah, you know, I mean,
4: they're not for
3: playing. For all we
2: know, you know, he's, uh, you know, broke his foot, you know, jumping off the bed. You know, he still thought he was four years old and he could jump on the bed, and he jumped off and broke his foot for all we know. at the,
3: well, the very least, maybe up. he had a problem tying his shoes and he's a little late.
2: Yeah, you know, sprained yeah. a ligament in his finger tying
3: his We spear. ain't saying nothing.
2: Yeah. But uh, who knows who's playing, and um, I wish we had some audio here about this uh, cross kid, Kevin Cross, and his versatility with this team, but uh, unfortunately we don't. But we do have Coach Hunter talking about his uh, his two Jalens. We're going to start with Jalen Cook, the uh, transfer from LSU, who has played behind two star guards when he was with the Tigers.
8: Well, I, I think that our group probably had the biggest well, I, I think that our group probably had the biggest influence on him. I think that when you're Mister Basketball, and you, you, there's so much hype in that regard that you know when you come into a, you come into our program, you know you, you you know you leave. You know we've got a ton of transfers that felt like they were all you know whether it was Forbes at Alabama or it was Frost at Nebraska. He right. came into a group that understood that you know we we built the same way at Georgia State that we're trying to get done here, and so you kind of check your ego at the door and you work and get better. And I think that helped him more than anything, kind of getting back to his high school roots of, hey, listen, I've got something to prove to people. And I think that that has helped him more than anything. And he's a, he's a great kid, and, and he's getting better, but he's got a long way to go. So, you know, that's the exciting part to be what I consider a great player. And so, you know, he's headed in that direction.
2: Yeah, it's interesting he talked about the having something to prove, getting back to his high school days, because he really does have opportunities here at Tulane that he didn't necessarily have at LSU, and it's no knock on the Tulane program, but you know he's playing with two NBA guards at LSU, and you know probably what well, right now is one of the toughest conferences, if not the toughest, in all of college basketball with the ACC kind of taking a step back there.
3: Absolutely, and I think another thing he kind of hit on is the fact that when he has something to prove, you don't want to play a point guard that's got a dog mentality, especially as good as he is, because that can cause a lot of problems, especially the fact that he could shoot so well from the three, Um, He's got very good ball-handling abilities. Um, Not a guy I would want to play, especially when I don't know who's playing and uh, we might possibly have a depleted roster. I would expect him, whether it's going to be a win or a loss for the Pirates, he's going to take that ball game over.
2: Maybe we shouldn't discuss hypotheticals. It's a a show strictly of hypotheticals now. I'm just thinking about this. If this guy's bringing up the ball at the court, what if Tristan Newton? Yeah. If we don't have him to anchor this press. I mean, if Tristan Newton doesn't play, and this isn't just saying, this isn't a knock on the rest of our team. It's really not. It's the fact that I really have this much faith in Jalen Cooks. Yeah. Or Jalen Cook. If if Tristan's not playing, I know it sounds bad to say on the flagship of the ECU Pirates, but would he stand a chance to win tonight?
3: Yeah, yeah I You mentioned something great there, if you kind of read in between the lines. A huge impact and a huge part of this ECU defense is the fact that Tristan Newton can really lock it down there, that point guard position on defense. Plays a lot of press, plays uh, very physical, plays very aggressive, um, but also very disciplined on defense. And uh, when you don't have that, that could pose a lot of issues. When you got a guy who's playing significant minutes and now you're talking about he could possibly be out – and who knows, maybe R.J. Felton or maybe they throw in Tremont at the one. Not necessarily saying those are bad players on defense, but I don't think they have quite the impact that um, Tristan Newton has on defense at the point guard position. And we've seen it at times, Tremont is a really good defensive player, but I think it's a little bit of adjustment once you're playing at the one and you're playing the team's primary ball handler, and in this case the team's best ball handler and their best player.
2: Oh, I definitely agree, and I do think Tremont can do it. Yeah. But, you know, TJ Roth, a good point. We don't know who's out. It could be kind of a whole group. I mean, if both those guys are out and RJ's our one, I mean, I'm not trying to dog on RJ, but he isn't. He just, it's a fact. He doesn't have the experience. He's not as old as those other two. He hasn't been around as much. Yeah. He hasn't had to guard that one. You know, he's more guarded than two. That would worry me.
3: Yeah. And uh, Joe Dooley was very adamant about how RJ, he's still a guy. He's not necessarily. He does not want to give him significant minutes, not because he doesn't feel like he's ready or he's not good to play at this level, but more so he's he's recovering from injury.
2: Yeah, exactly. And, you know, the bottom line is you go out there with one of those injuries and, yeah, he might be good enough to play. Yeah. But it doesn't mean he's good enough to go out there and play 40 minutes. And, unfortunately, um, you might have to play close to 40 minutes a night. It might kind of look like an old-school uh, – coach k box score where it's like every yep. duke starter played <laughs> 35 plus minutes and that might exactly. have to be the pirates tonight not that that's ever really been coach Dooley's uh coaching style but uh it's just kind of the uh world well, we live in hopefully when, that whole 90
3: day well, thing well, well not only that we saw early on our depth our guys who are walk-ons our guys who can possibly get minutes down the line or possibly can earn a scholarship and they had a tough time they, yeah. they clearly weren't ready so Nothing against those guys. I'm not dogging them or saying they're bad. I just think the moment's a little bit too bright for them, and that's not guys you want to see getting significant minutes or at least some decent minutes beginning conference play against this tough team in Tulane.
2: Yeah, those 28 seconds they played against A&T were rough. I think
3: they got outscored Well, times. they got A&T back in the game. Yeah, <laughs> so, <laughs> and yeah. put all the
2: starters back yeah, in. Yeah. We put the twos in. We put the starters in. Yeah. Man, like
3: Vance went back out yeah. there. But uh,
2: anyways, um, we will give a little more uh, – Audio time here to Coach Hunter and uh, his talk on his other transfer, this one from Alabama, Jalen Forbes.
8: No question. You know, he's the leader of our team. He's the captain of our team. He's been a captain ever since he's walked in this program. Uh, You know, it's hard when all of a sudden, you know, you're a guy, you're getting most of the shots, and, and then you're one of your better friends, his AAU teammate, comes with the program. And all of a sudden, you know, now he becomes the leading scorer and gets a little bit more in notoriety with it, but because they're so close, and, and and he's such a great kid, and wanna and he wants to win. That you know, again, and it hasn't been easy.
2: No, I'm sure it hasn't been because you know he was their main focus last year, and another player comes in and kind of takes that away from. Him. But as we mentioned earlier, at least it was someone that uh, he has good chemistry with. You know, it's not some random guy just coming in and taking all your. Uh, all your points away, but it shows the maturity of Forbes to take that step back and be okay with that, and putting definitely team above self.
3: Absolutely, basketball, like I've said before, is very much a game of chemistry, especially when it comes to your guards. And you have two guards like that that have experience playing together, want to play for each other, and are willing to give up the rock. And uh, they know each other's ticks. They know each other's. Uh, they know they they just know each other's scoring ability and know each other's ability in general. Um, that's huge, and I think that's why you're seeing so much success right away as we head into conference with Tulane. Also the fact that they've played a lot of games so far this year despite COVID. I mean, this is a conference that very much has been ravaged with COVID and dealt with COVID issues, and uh, Tulane, I mean, they have to be leading in games played. I mean, I'm looking at their schedule here. I mean, just the non-conference schedule alone is absolutely ridiculous. So it's a team that has a lot of experience playing together, and the chemistry is going to be unbelievable coming in tonight and that's going to be a a huge advantage they have over us coming in tonight especially when we're anticipating a lineup that's going to be a little bit different
2: well we don't know exactly what that lineup will be but a text from a very good source the play-by-play announcer for ECU TV and the host of this show Patrick Johnson says there will be three out for ECU tonight so we don't know which three obviously hope that the three that are out first and foremost are okay and uh, aren't getting uh, too, too sick, but that they are different positions on the court. You know, hopefully it's a, a, a guard, a mid, and a, you know, or a wing and a big guy and that it's not all one position. Cause if it's all one position, you might just have to kiss this one goodbye and uh, get ready for Saturday's game. And who knows who all will be back at that point.
3: Well, I'm looking at a video here on Twitter of uh, the warmups here, and I'm not seeing a lot of players that look familiar for ECU. Not necessarily saying we're ravaged by COVID. This is just warm-ups from 15 minutes ago. But uh, if that's any sign or indication, not looking too good right now because these guys are like, oh, I, I mean, you, you know, I'm a pretty, I'm pretty knowledgeable when it comes to ECU basketball. I've been to most of the games. I mean, I don't, I rarely miss games. I know this team pretty well, and these, a lot of these guys don't look very familiar. These are guys that barely coming out of their warm-ups during the game. So, not not a good indication so far. But I'm not necessarily saying anything set in stone right now.
2: Yeah, that was a little uh, humble brag there by Ben saying he doesn't get to miss most games. While we were all watching on TV last year, he got to go and cover the games. He even got to see us knock off the number five
3: team. In oh, yeah. Game. A lot of media outlets <laughs> would want you to believe that they were there for when uh, we beat 5th uh Houston. But I, I, I know. There was only three other people besides me that were there in the media, and uh, a lot of these guys that are claiming they were there weren't there. So that tells you all you need to know about our local sports media. (laughs) Just just leaving that out there. (laughs) Anyways, we will get back and wrap up
2: the show here momentarily. Um, ECU and Tulane coverage starts right here at 630. Ben and I will be back after this timeout.
1: with my health insurance agent Bill Jenkins bill is an employee benefits specialist and life insurance agent from town insurance bill give us an update on town insurance here in North Carolina
9: town insurance is a top insurance and employee benefits agency in North Carolina and ranks in the top 50s nationwide We have primary offices in Greenville, Kinston, Wilmington, Raleigh, and now Charlotte. And Bill, what are areas Town Insurance specializes in? With our experienced account management team, we specialize in employee benefits, including group medical, dental, life, vision, disability, and voluntary options for employees. We compare these options with several of the best carriers in the market and assist businesses on benefit administration as well as employee education and enrollments. And how can a business best contact you to review their employee benefits program give us a call 252-756-8300 call today as the best time is
0: now to come to town
7: chico's mexican restaurant is where the fiesta never ends grab your amigos and head to chico's every wednesday for shrimp tacos for only 9 dollars plus wednesdays means all mexican imports for only $2.50 thursdays enjoy your favorite beef chicken or vegetable fajitas for only 9 dollars for mexican food and fun it's got to be chico's in downtown greenville and now available through doordash featuring a half gallon of the famous margarita mix to go for only 9 dollars chico's where the fiesta never ends
5: She was very concerned. It was very unsettling for her.
9: It's important for you to talk to someone about it, to bring the
8: family in on it. I felt so much better after my son told me, Mom, I don't want you to worry or be afraid. I'll be there for you, and we'll figure it out.
6: When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash stories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. ADHD, it's the
8: child who can't pay attention or sit still in school, right? The answer may be yes. Attention deficit hyperactivity disorder or ADHD can be complicated and it can last a lifetime. Up to 75% of children and adolescents with ADHD have at least one additional mental disorder that requires a comprehensive approach to treatment. Learn more at more2adhd.com. This message brought to you in partnership with Ada, ACO, and Chad.
0: WRHD HD1 Farmville, Washington, Greenville. Crystal clear FM Sports Talk 24-7, 365. Unless we forget to pay the power bill. 94.3 The Game. And now, the stunning conclusion of the show. <laughs> it's the P-Man here on 94.3 four three, The Game. <laughs>
2: Welcome back into the Patrick Johnson show. We are taking you up to network coverage of ECU and Tulane as the Pirates look to open AAC play tonight against the Green Wave who have already played two in-conference games and were victorious in both of said games. It is official that three players for ECU are out. We are we do not know who those are. Patrick just texted us. Three guys are out. Ben is trying his best over there. He's looking at a video on Twitter. I'm getting very close here to figuring out who these people are. He is, he is looking at a video on Twitter of people of our team warming up. So if he doesn't see a guy, he could obviously be getting taped. In the oh, there's another room guy right up there. here
3: now. He's, uh, that, that throws everything off. There's another guy now.
2: Well, the thing is, if he doesn't see a guy, it doesn't necessarily mean a guy is out. And if he does see a guy, he's just trusting his eyes off some crappy Twitter video. But, I mean, maybe his speculation will hopefully be right. I, he did, to me in the break, say some big-time names, some starters that were big. So, hopefully, we're not out three starters or at least three guys who play a lot. So, so, we will see.
3: Ben, you got anything for us? I'm pretty sure I'm looking at Brandon Suggs right here.
2: That's big. And that's a guy we haven't talked about at all on this show. Um, you know, he's he's a wing yeah, I believe he's six six. Uh he can work the ball inside as well, cleans up the offensive boards a lot. Um honestly, he would fit in really well on this two lane roster, being kind of a uh, a wing guy who's can play inside because they obviously have to force their wing guys to rebound due breaking to the news. Lack of height. Oh, breaking news.
3: We have official confirmation of who's playing tonight. Okay, sweet. All right, this is from Steven Igo, twenty four seven sports. Vance Jackson, Tristan Newton, Brandon Johnson, Tremont Robinson-White, J.J. Miles, Brandon Suggs, R.J. Felton, and then the rest are kind of walk-ons. But those are some pretty big names. So, obviously, we're without Alonzo Frank is the big one that stands out there. Um, Help me out here. Who else is missing? We got Vance Jackson, Tristan Newton, Brandon Johnson, Tremont Robinson-White, J.J. Miles, Brandon Suggs, R.J. RJ RJ Felton. Felton.
2: Oh, you said R.J. Felton. So
3: uh, the big, it's got to be Frank, right? Frank's probably Frank, the biggest one. Luigi DeBoe. Luigi, yep, and Marlon Leston. There you go. Those are your three, right there. They're so not playing.
2: That worries me a little bit because
3: we can't really use our bigs like we no. thought we were. Yeah.
2: So what I'm hearing, the great thing is if it's going to happen, it's happening against Tulane. The only downside is now you have to go beat Tulane at their own game.
3: Yeah, it's it's funny. The last ten minutes of the show is now we can really get into our pregame show because now we're getting official word of who's playing or not. But, yeah, that's huge. I mean, I'm not sure how I'm going to like um, the idea of trying to match their small ball lineup because, I mean, that's essentially what you have to do here. I mean, you can't really play Bigledge like you want to unless you're going to rely heavy on Brandon Suggs and Vance Jackson here, but. Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be interesting.
2: It's going to be smart shot selection because Tulane's going to do it. They're not going to waste possessions. They don't yeah. turn the ball over a whole heck of a lot. Yeah, We are going to have to have smart shot selection because of the fact that we are going to have to take threes. We're not going to be able to work the ball inside as much as we wanted to. And uh, unfortunately for guys like Suggs and Jackson, um I guess get oxygen before the game at halftime, <laughs> after the game, and un- every media timeout mm-hmm. yeah. because your rear end's probably staying in the game for 40 minutes. So yeah. uh, figure it out.
3: Yeah, <laughs> back mean, to your AAU
2: days, playing the whole game.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, and the big thing you said about taking smart shots. There, uh, I like what TJ Long said earlier about the fact that there's been times where we do try to set up smart shots, but uh, maybe guys don't necessarily have the confidence in themselves to bank an open look or. They don't really necessarily know if they have an open look or not. They just they do. They just they seem to overpass and take shots where they're not necessarily open or don't. They take a tougher shot than what they previously had. So um, I don't. I don't expect that to get any better tonight. To be quite honest with you, after two week a two week layoff, and uh, we're talking like in practice, there was just kind of short little walkthroughs and kind of keeping it easy, keeping it light. I. I mean. I'll be really surprised if we see really disciplined basketball, very uh very good chemistry coming in tonight where guys are uh trusting in each other, taking smart shots, setting up the open looks. I just don't I don't expect that to happen. I don't expect I don't expect to see a lot of that.
2: The one way this layoff can maybe help when it comes to shot selection. Yeah. Is we live in the world of Zoom <laughs> and Microsoft teams and whatever else. Yeah. Maybe they were, you know, the guys who were sick were at least asymptomatic because it seems like everybody is with this new variant You know, nobody's actually getting sick. So, hopefully, Coach Dooley was able to send a lot of film. They were allowed to have a lot of team meetings via Zoom and
3: maybe get this figured out. You know, I, I'm just being very optimistic here, but uh, hopefully. Yeah, I mean, I think to keep it simple here, you find out who the hot hand is early and just feed them. And if it doesn't work, you got to go find another one. You got to find who else is the hot hand. I mean, it's, it's. I know that's coming of a little bit of a place of ignorance on my part, but I mean, what else do you do? What else do, what exactly do you do, especially coming off a layoff?
2: So, what Ben is trying to say is that JJ Miles has to have a good night because JJ Miles has never had an average shooting night in yeah. his entire career. Yeah. He is either lights out. Or you could build a house with the amount of bricks he takes. Yeah. You know, it, it turns out it evens out for him to be a decent shooter, but um, it's never a decent night for JJ Miles. So
3: maybe JJ can be our guy. I think he's due for a big game. I think my favorite thing Philip says before the game is we're gonna or when the game starts is we're gonna have a good idea of how our shooting is gonna be tonight, depending on how JJ does his first couple of looks. If he starts bricking them, not gonna be a good shooting night for the parts. If he starts making them. We're gonna be dangerous. Look to have look for the pirates to have a great night. And it's completely true. I mean, he's it's 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 strange to say a guy like JJ Miles can be the X factor in this offense, but he is. When he's clicking, this is a pirate team that can be very dangerous, especially in this conference. But when he's not, you see a lot of struggling. You see a lot of guys that have a hard time stepping up and making shots from the perimeter. Cause JJ Miles a lot of times as 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 tough it is as as it is to say, he's your best three point shooter on this team right now.
2: He is. Or he's definitely the most influential three point shooter on this team. So uh, my hot take would be if JJ Miles is having a bad night, play Virginia style basketball, baby. Give me some Tony Bennett watching paint dry, watch grass grow, whatever you want to call Virginia basketball. That's what you need to do when uh, when JJ's not hitting him. But uh Hopefully, he's hitting him tonight. And like I said, hopefully, uh, the Jackson, Vance Jackson, is conditioned well and can go inside because I think if he goes inside, if he eats tonight inside, uh, it can be a long night for this green wave defense. But, uh, like I said, he might only be able to eat for so long in there because I don't really know who's going to be subbing in for him, unfortunately, yeah. to give JJ a blow. Coach Dooley may use his timeouts more in a, uh, when do we need a breather than a X's and O's type timeout way, almost kind of like the rec basketball coach who only had five players show up that day.
3: Yeah. Well, it's it's like I said before, that's why Kevin Cross and Vance Jackson is kind of the key matchup right here in this game because, you know, you're going to try to look to use your bigs, especially against a smaller lineup where you mentioned earlier, Kevin Cross is your biggest guy. He's 6'8". He's the guy that's getting a lot – in terms of significant minutes, guys getting significant minutes, he's your biggest guy. He's your tallest guy, and uh, we've looked into it. I don't think there's anybody else on the roster that's over six eight. If they are, they're they're not getting minutes either way. It's a smart lineup, and you're going to look for Vance Jackson earlier to see if you can set that tone and go with that game plan. And if it's not working, um, that key matchup uh, is going to be in Kevin Cross's favor, and I think that could very well determine the ball game.
2: Yeah, the only guy other is Nobile or Noble Days. He's uh, he is six nine, but he's a smaller 6'9". nine. He's six nine, two twenty. So I definitely think Vance can be more physical than him. He is uh checked into all eleven games and does average twelve points a game. Not a big scorer though, only averaging one point a game. Yeah. So that's their other kind of big guy that actually sees a fair amount of playing time. Their tallest player, Auton Janovic who must be from Eastern Europe somewhere. He is uh, their only guy who's 6'10". He's from Croatia, but uh, he has only appeared in five games, totaling 19 minutes of playing time. So not a guy that uh will play a whole heck of a lot, but, so we think. But um you never know if they try and mix it up, knowing that we do not have our bigs. Maybe they try and go big. We'll see what uh, Coach Hunter has for the Pirates' is he obviously, just like uh, us, gets to see who is and isn't warming up and can always make last-minute adjustments or in-game adjustments. If anybody's going to do it, it, it surely is him. There's a reason he coached at the same school for 14
3: consecutive yep. years. And if that matchup isn't going our favor and uh, you're looking to shoot the ball or play small-ball-type lineup, I don't necessarily want to get into a, uh, a shooting war, a shooting bid with the uh, a shooting auction, if you want to say, with Tulane because I don't like our chances when it comes to that. But I think um, maybe things can turn a little bit in our favor if we do start playing that style of basketball just because things ain't working with our bigs. We need to give our bigs a break, need to conserve their energy a little bit. We need to use our guards a little bit more. I think things will start to work a little bit more depending on how J.J. Miles plays, depends on how he's shooting. I like our chances a little bit more if J.J. Miles is clicking, and I think he's the X factor tonight. I agree. We will see
2: how it goes. So, Pirates down three guys due to the COVID list. Pirates have not played since December the 21st, I believe it is. And uh, they open up league play tonight against a two-lane team that is 5-6, 2-0 in league play. That'll do it for the special 90-minute edition of the Patrick Johnson Show. That over there has been Byram. I am Philip Pilkington. Everybody, enjoy your night, and go Pirates.
8: We know that juicy, cheesy, grilled-to-perfection burger sounds amazing, but it does sound like something is missing. Pepsi, baby! The yin to this burger's yang. Burgers and Pepsi go together like, well, like burgers and Pepsi. This perfect blending of flavors makes everybody...